Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for this Easter morning's meditation is recorded for us in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the 15th chapter, beginning at the 51st verse. Look, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the blink of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. But once this perishable body has put on imperishability, and this mortal body has put on immortality, then what is written will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. In the name of our risen Savior, dear fellow redeemed, how do sports make you feel? Now, I'm not asking how you feel about sports, whether you like them or not, but literally, how do sports make you feel? Do sports make you feel angry or depressed? Or perhaps they make you feel excited and happy. Well, perhaps it depends on how well your team is doing. I know for myself, back last fall, I remember coming home from a service one Sunday morning feeling that I'd accomplished much over the course of the last week, sat down to watch a Minnesota Vikings game, and they won. And after that game, I was sitting back and, and realizing that I felt really good. I felt really accomplished, and then I realized the reason why. It's because my team had won. Their victory was something that got me excited. Maybe you've experienced a similar thing for yourself with your own favorite sports team. When they've won, you have a feeling of excitement, a feeling of joy, a feeling of happiness. Their victory feels like your victory. But why? There's really no reason to have those sorts of feelings. You're not a member of the team. It doesn't really change your everyday life, does it? You still have to pay the bills. You still have to bring the kids to school. You still have all of those worries and concerns of everyday life. You maybe wonder if that is the way it is with Easter. What did you expect when you came to the service this morning? You probably expected to sing very joyous hymns, Christ the Lord is risen today, or I know that my Redeemer lives. You perhaps expected to hear a very joyful message concerning Christ's resurrection. But as you well know, as you go home after today, many of you probably return to work tomorrow or maybe the next day for some. We can maybe feel that that joy is short-lived and that that victory was great for Jesus, but what about for me? But I tell you today, Christ's resurrection is our victory. A number of months ago, I was talking to a member of our congregation here at Peace, and we were discussing our property. As you can look around and see outside of the windows, we have a very beautiful property here at Peace. It's some 
eight acres of land with beautiful oak trees on it. Yet our, our current facility only takes up about half of the land or so. So what do we do with the rest of it? Well, we were discussing it. Well, should Peace maybe put up athletic fields? Should maybe we build a wedding pavilion or some other ideas were raised? Until we landed on the idea of a cemetery. Should Peace perhaps build a cemetery here on the property? Would it make sense for a church to have a cemetery here for a place where the members could be buried? Especially since we have a mortuary right next door, it seems that would make perfect sense for us to do something like that. But over the course of our conversation, it came up. But if we did that, that would kind of lock in the use of the land. We could never use it for anything else. And why? Because cemeteries fill up, don't they? And they fill up sooner than you think. You keep adding more and more bodies and more and more people die and are added to the cemetery and no one leaves. No one is taken away. And eventually all the land would be used up and we couldn't use it for anything else. And isn't that the truth? That cemeteries only fill up. They don't empty out. And why is that? It's because death wins. It's because death wins every time for every human being. We think about during Jesus' day, when he was on this earth, what was the score up to? Maybe 500 million to zero? For everyone that had gone through death, they had lost. Death had won. Death had taken them. And even for those few examples in the Old Testament of when someone was raised back to life from the dead, they just died again. were buried in the ground again. Death wins. The Apostle Paul explains the reason for all this in his fifth chapter to the Romans when he says, So then, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin... So also death spread to all people because all sinned. You see, the grave is the inevitable destination for all flesh, for you and for me, because of sin. Sin that's been passed down to us from our first parents, even from our immediate parents. Sin that so corrupts our entire being that even though we try to do what is right, we try to do what is good. Though we try to love our neighbors, ourselves, though we try to love our spouse and our family members and our friends the way that we should, we fail. Though we try to keep our mouths from gossip and from lying, though we try to keep our eyes focused on what is pure and clean and right, we go astray. We fall into sin, and that sin that we're born with reveals itself in our own sinful actions again and again and again, and we know the wages of sin is death. But not so with Christ. Christ broke the statistics, didn't he? On Easter morning, even though he had been placed in the grave on Friday evening, even though he had died like every other human being dies, his body was placed in the tomb, what happens on Easter morning? He walks out of his own tomb, out of his own grave, of his own fruition. He steps out of that grave having defeated death, having become victorious over it. The Apostle Peter testifies to this to the Pentecost crowd in Acts chapter 2 when he says this, He is the one God raised up by freeing him from the agony of death. 
because death was not able to hold him in its grip. You see, for this one, it was different. For everyone else, our end is death. For everyone else, the cemetery only fills up. But not so for Christ, though he was buried in his tomb in his cemetery. In that cemetery, the numbers went in reverse. You see, one left. One walked out of his grave and is alive even today. He not only defeated death, he not only rose again from the dead, but he was changed. And changed imperishable, immortal, to never die again. We see it in our gospel lesson for today, right? As Mary is there at the tomb, as she is weeping there, and this man comes up to her. And she doesn't recognize him. Because Jesus is now in his perfected, glorified body, isn't he? Soon he reveals himself to her. Or also as Jesus comes to the disciples later in the day and they don't immediately recognize him, they think he's a ghost, but he shows that he's the same one who died on the cross. They show, he shows them his wounds and they believe. But also this, that same Jesus who defeated death also 40 days later would ascend with that glorified body into the heavens, into the skies. He doesn't leave and depart this world defeated by death, but in victory as he ascends the heavens to rule over all things. And all of this we applaud. And all of this we say, Yay, Jesus, good job. What a victory you have won. But what does it really mean for us? How in the world is Jesus' victory actually our victory? And is it? Well, some of you probably know well and have heard before the legend concerning that long-distance race known as the Marathon. According to history, in 490 B.C., the Persians were threatening to attack the city of Athens. And they brought their boats on the coast of Greece there at a place called Marathon. And the Athenian army went out to battle them and faced them there at the plains of Marathon right at the coast. Many people that lived in the city of Athens that was only 25 or 26 miles away or so there were in terror and dread. What was going to happen? What if our army is defeated Then the Persians are going to come, they're going to attack, and there's nothing we can do to stop them, and they're going to destroy everything that we hold dear? They were scared and they were afraid. But the Athenian army that day won a victory over the Persians. They defeated them handedly. And here's where the legend comes in, that according to legend, because of the fear of the Athenian people, the fear of that attacking army, a messenger was sent from the Athenian army there at the battlefield to go and run the 25 or 26 miles to Athens. And according to legend, he did it straight. He ran that entire distance without having prepared, without being ready for it, but he ran the distance. Why? To bring the message, to bring the good news. And when he arrived there in the city of Athens, he said but one word, Nike, or as the famous athletic company today pronounces it, Nike, victory. And with that, he fell over dead from exhaustion. Why was it so important for him to bring that one word, that one word, Nike, victory to the people of Athens there. It's because 
their army's victory was their victory. It made all the difference for them, didn't it? It mean that they didn't have to live in fear. It mean that they were at peace, ultimately. Well, the same is true concerning Christ's victory from the grave. His victory is our victory, and why? We aren't just fans cheering Him on, but we are part of the same team, aren't we? Because He became one of us. Because the Almighty Son of God took on human flesh. He became a mortal human being, and He died on a cross. He died just as every one of us will one day die. But also as one of us as a human being, He rose from the grave victorious. Showing that human beings can, in fact, raise, be raised from the grave just as He was to, to show us that death need not be the end, but there is victory in Him. But the same Christ who defeated death also is able to defeat death for every single one of us. So much so that when He spoke to Martha at the graveside of her brother Lazarus, that his words are true. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And when he spoke to the disciples, he spoke the truth. Because I live, you also shall live. You see, Christ's victory from the grave is our victory. And when is that victory going to take place for us in full? The Apostle Paul describes it in the text for us today. That the last trumpet on the very final day, this will take place, is all the dead shall be raised. Quite a picture to think about. Every last cemetery will finally give up its dead. Every last body will be raised up from the ground. Death then will be defeated. What the prophets Isaiah and Hosea spoke in our text for today will come to fulfillment. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Because Christ, through His power, will raise up all the dead. And for us as believers, it will be a tremendous victory. Because not only will we be raised back to life from the dead, but we will be raised with new and glorified bodies. As the Apostle Paul writes, this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. We will put on bodies, our bodies new and glorified, that will live forever in eternity with Christ. Now, how can this possibly be? Though we know our bodies, we know what happens to people who die. Yes, their soul goes to be with the Lord, but the body, isn't it placed in the ground or isn't it burned to ashes? Doesn't it decompose? So what then? How could it possibly be that those bodies will be raised glorious? The great scientist Michael Faraday had a highly prized silver goblet that was in his laboratory. By accident one day, a workman there tipped over the goblet and it went into a vat of acid that soon tore apart that goblet atom by atom. And it dissolved it so it could hardly be seen there in the, the fluid, in the liquid. 
The workman was beside himself. How could he be so foolish and careless and allow this to happen? But the scientist told him, you need not fear, don't worry. He merely applied a couple chemicals and it brought all of the silver back to the surface and it was easily able to be scraped off and sent to a silversmith. The silversmith was given the exact dimensions of the previous silver goblet and in short order, just a few days, he returned the goblet fully intact, new and better than before. If a scientist is able to put back a silver goblet in the way it was before, to make it new and better even, how much so our God? Isn't our God, the creator of heaven and earth, able to put back our bodies, though even they might be burned to ashes, to put all the parts back together? The same God who created heaven and earth can certainly put every part of our bodies back together once again. This is what he promises for us. This is the victory he has proclaimed for us victory over death that our bodies shall be raised at the last to live forever and ever and ever in the mansions of heaven. Yes, this is the joy of Easter. It is a joy that's not simply short-lived. It isn't a joy just in celebration for Jesus and what he has done, but it is a joy that is ours, right? A victory that is truly ours because the one Jesus Christ, who is on our same team, defeated death so that we can be reassured that we will do the same. That we also shall be raised just as he was raised. That our bodies will be glorified as his body was glorified. And this truth brings us joy and peace, especially at Easter. Yes, thanks be to God who gives us the victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Invite the congregation to please rise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.